Hey guys, how are you guys doing? You doing good? Who's cold? For reals? I live in a perpetual state of coldness. So when I woke up this morning, I was like, man, do I get out of bed and eat waffles or do I stay in my bed and continue to be warm? So I chose to stay in my bed and continue to be warm because man, it is absolutely freezing up here. My wife and uh, three kids, we have spent the last 10 years in a country called Papua New Guinea, specifically among an unreached people group called the Maliali, and there is no snow in this place. It is hot as blazes, and so anytime we come to a place that's freezing, I'm wearing like multiple jackets, multiple layers of pants, multiple shirts, um, so it's great that some of you are cold, but the majority of you are enduring this weather. So that's great. Um, it's an honor to be with you guys. Uh, we have uh, the opportunity to come uh, just in this session. It's a long weekend, and so we get to spend just a small amount of time talking about God's heart for the nations, talking about what is missions and the task that remains still left to be done in regards to unreached people groups. And ultimately what that means in a nutshell is people that will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will never see a Bible. They will never see a Christian. And ultimately they will never hear this message because their language has never been spoken outside of their tribal context. So if they wanted to hear the gospel, someone would have to go learn their language, live among them and share the gospel with them for the very first time time in their history. There are thousands, there are thousands of people groups that still exist today that will never get the chance to hear the gospel in their language because no one knows it apart from them. And this is, this is the heartbeat of God. This has been the heartbeat of God from the very beginning that he would be known. In the beginning, when God created all things, he created it absolutely perfectly. And in so doing, he creates a garden and he places man and woman, male and female, Adam and Eve. He puts them in this garden and says, listen, be fruitful, multiply, fill up this earth with people and fill out this earth with the knowledge of me. But we understand what happens in the story. They disobey. And although they're kicked out of paradise, they do not lose their purpose. But as they began to multiply and spread throughout the world, the Lord looked down in Genesis chapter 5 and 6 and realized and said in the scriptures, man, every intention of the heart of man and of every intention of his thought is continually wicked. And so because of this, God saves a family, Noah's family, and some created order of creatures. But after Noah gets out of the boat with his family, do you know what God says? God tells Noah exactly what he told Adam. Be fruitful, multiply, fill out the earth with worshipers of me and fill up the earth with the knowledge of me. And they began to multiply, but we find in Genesis chapter 10 and 11, man, these people got together as one singular group. And they said with one language, let's build a city so that we wouldn't scatter. And ultimately they began to build a tower, 
not to exalt God's name, but to exalt theirs. And at that moment, God changed and confused their languages into many. But in Genesis chapter 12, that's where God starts his rescue plan. That he would choose Abraham and eventually Israel and this people would go into the land and they would be a light to all the nations that do not have access to the knowledge of Yahweh. But ultimately what we find was once Israel got into the land, they exchanged the privilege of being his and the position of being the light to simple fleeting pleasures of the darkness that surrounded them that was the nation's. And eventually, according to Isaiah 9, they, Israel, would be plunged into the darkness themselves until Jesus showed up on the scene and he shined the light in Matthew chapter 4 for the very first time. Jesus not only shined the light, but at the end of his ministry, he commissioned all believers, go and make my name known where it is not. And do you know the beauty? The beauty of this story is that he gives us the end. He not only gave us the commission, go and do likewise, bring the gospel to peoples who have not yet heard, but I'm gonna tell you how it's going to end. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. Jesus, in his brilliance, gives us the end of his mission. The end from cover to cover. The story about God's heart for the nations. God's heart for all peoples. This is the capstone for the end of time. Revelation seven, nine says this. John, being caught up in this vision, sees this. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All hail King Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. Every language, every nation, every tribe, every people group is surrounding the throne of our King Jesus and they are worshiping because the mission of our great God that was started in Genesis chapter one and fulfilled in the book of Revelation at the end of time, it's done, it's finished, it has ended and all peoples from all places are surrounding the throne and worshiping our King. He is a God who cares about those thousands of people groups who are still in the dark. And my wife and uh, our three kids, Calvin, he's 12, Lulu, she's nine, and our sweet, sweet babo is uh, Elizabeth, she's two. Um, our, our family, for the last 10 years, like I said, we've been serving in the country of Papua New Guinea, specifically among an unreached people group called the Maliali. 
In 2014, uh, we went to training and after training, we moved to the country of Papua New Guinea. And after learning the first language and first culture, after testing out of that, we started looking for a people group to work among. When we began learning that language, pigeon, maybe I go look at one house, not this house, and me son up, me blah all get up by go inside, now kai kai one time. Kai kai beniso, okay, me blah all get up by come back, little display place, nah, talk one time, me blah. So after learning this language and that culture of Papua New Guinea, we began to look for a singular people group to move into, a people group that Unbeknownst to them, a world existed outside of them. We landed into a nearby airstrip. We had a GPS location and we began to hike to that GPS location. We should have probably looked at the map topographically because this hike was ridiculous. It took us like two days, up a mountain, down a mountain, through a river, over a ravine, through a vine bridge, up a mountain, down a mountain. I was puking the entire way. It was absolutely ridiculous. But we finally made it to the Malayali people. And for the first time, the first people outside of their tribe heard their language. And my coworkers and I were like, dude, this is where we're gonna come back. So we exchanged some goods, we shook some hands, we tried to make as much contact as we could, and we opened up a, a place where a helicopter could land, and we eventually brought our wives and our children, and we lived in their houses for the next three months. Learning some phrases and some names, our wives and children left, and then we began to cut down trees with the Malayali people. We milled those trees, we made lumber, created our houses, our wives and children came back and we began to live among the Malayali people so that we could learn their language for the very first time. You guys, I, will, I remember a clear as day. I remember walking out of the house and hearing, and I'm thinking, what? What in the world are we about to do? How the heck are we going to do this? And then from a ridge, you can't even see the person. From another ridge, you heard, and I look at my coworkers, and my coworkers look at me, and we're like, it is, it is going to be by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we learn this language. Man, I'll, I'll be completely honest. If we take a test, more than likely, I am the most dyslexic person in this room. I barely know my own alphabet. How in the world are we going to learn their language? But we had really good training. And sounds turned into symbols. Symbols turned into words. Words turned into sentences, phrases, paragraphs, stories. And after two and a half years, we became fluent in the Malayali language so that we could present the gospel. But before we did, we made sure that we had to create an alphabet. We wanted them to not only just hear the words of Jesus Christ, we wanted them to be able to see it for themselves written in their language because God cares about that. So we created an alphabet for their language and we began to teach them in a literacy class and we had two graduating classes before we began to teach. And I remember sitting with my best friend we're working on translation of small portions of the scripture to be able to eventually teach them one day. And the helicopter's on the chopper pad. It's, it's, it's packed up. We're having to leave because we have some medical problems with my wife and daughter. And this is early on. We're not tested out of language yet. But my best friend says, David, I know why you guys have come. You want us to tell us this talk that we have never heard before. Could you just tell me? 
what it is? Like, before you leave, can you, can you tell me what this talk is about? And I said, I'm so sorry, man. I just can't. We're not there in your language. And he said, okay, I understand. And he hung his head and he paused. And then he said, David, what, what happens if you go and you don't come back? How am I going to hear this message? And I said, man, don't worry. We're going to come back. But even if we don't, our coworkers are here, Nathan and Rachel and Chad and Martha, and they're going to carry on this work as well. And he said, you're right. And then he finally asks his real heart question. David, if you leave and I die, how will I ever hear this message? And I had to look at him in that moment and I said, I'm so sorry, but you're just gonna have to wait. Because up until that point, they didn't have a word for love. They didn't have a word to forgive. They didn't have a word for debt or they didn't have a word to forgive, they didn't have a word for gift? How would we begin to tell the greatest message ever without having the words love, forgive, and gift? This video is just a small, small picture of what that season looked like for us in the tribe. So think about it like this. We, after learning language and doing literacy, we began to our translation project. That's like 54 lessons that we were about to teach the Malayali people chronologically from Genesis to Revelation. So think about it like 54 portions of scripture that we were translating to tell this story. And I remember that, remember that friend, same guy, Alec, he was sitting right next to me and, and we're working through kind of the story, but we're doing it in a kind of a random way. So he's not getting the full picture of what the story looked like. But I remember he hears the story of Lazarus. Uh, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and he's just slapping the desk and he's whistling and, and he's like, and I'm, I just say, man, well, like what stood out to you in the story? And I thought, you know, like he'd be like this guy named Jesus straight up raised somebody from the dead. Like, who is this? But he's like, no, what stood out to me the most was that somebody would have the audacity to say that he is life after death that he is the source of the resurrection, that he is the resurrection and the life. What kind of guy is this, David? And I said, dude, you're just gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait and see because this is gonna be so sweet. And eventually we got to Luke chapter 24, which is our resurrection story for, um, for the teaching. And, and uh, the ladies are at the tomb and the angels are like, why are you looking for somebody who's dead? Or why are you looking for uh, someone who is alive among the dead? Don't you remember? And Eric slaps the desk and he's like, yes. Yes, he couldn't be in the grave because he said he was the source of life and the resurrection. David, what does this mean? And I'm like, man, you're just gonna have to wait. You're just gonna have to wait just a little bit longer. And about two and a half more months later, we began to teach the Malayali people the story of God's, sweet love through Jesus Christ. And man, the very first lesson, oh, they were blown away by the very first lesson. In the beginning, God, mic drop. That there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they lived in perfect harmony. They were absolutely content. 
that they had a love for one another and a fellowship that nothing on this earth can even comprehend. Nothing can even come close and they needed nothing. And yet they chose to make all things in creating Adam and Eve. They allowed them to be a part of this fellowship as well. All the Malayali people were just completely undone. This is exactly what we want. And they began to ask the question, well, if this is what our first ancestors had, well, why don't we have it? And then they saw around lesson eight that Adam and Eve in the garden were deceived and they began to cry, man, weep. Not because Adam and Eve had screwed it up for them, but because they now saw themselves in their first ancestors and they knew if they had sin, we have sin. And because of their sin, they were separated. And because of our sin, we're separated. And they began to ask the question, David, Nathan, Chad, what do we do? Lesson 11 came, and I remember it clear as day. The Yomatifu Mofi was introduced. That there would come one, according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, who would crush the head of the serpent. He would be born of the woman and he would defeat Satan for all time. That the Yomatifu Mofi, the road cutting man, he would come and cut a brand new road. The Yomatifu le yufkok moapateu, oapatei with luamofi lafa pue mani weme, ane wei with God va luamofi laf mani liam and nanafu with nanafu with mu. That the road cutting man would come and he would cut a brand new road and he would remove his people's sins and he would bring them back into a right relationship with God. He would crush the head of the serpent and we would have brand new restored fellowship with him for all of eternity. And they began to just long, long for the Yomatifu Mofi, the road cutting man. We got to the story of Noah and they're like, this is the guy. This is the guy we've been waiting for. Do we need to build a boat too? And we're like, no, 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 no. This is not the guy. Just, just keep following along. And we get to the story of Abraham and they're like, is this the guy? Is this who we're waiting for? And no, this is not the guy. We get to Moses and they're like, dude, this is definitely not the guy. He killed somebody. Like, this is not the road cutting man. And we're like, okay, yes, keep following. And then we get to David and they're like, this is it. This is the guy. This is why your parents named you David, because they wanted to give you the honor of being named after the Yomatifu Mofi. But do you know what they discovered? It wasn't David. And it wasn't any other king after them as well. We went through every single king. Oh, they were depressed. But everybody remembers lesson 34. Because for the first time in the history of Malayali, they walked away from that lesson and they said, we know him by name. We know his name. His name is Jesus. Oh, and they began to just love Jesus. The one who put himself as the lowest of the low, he would touch the untouchables. He would be with those who were outcasts and he would love all peoples. And then the Malayali people were so incredibly complex. Why are they hanging him on a tree? We're completely undone. Why did they mistreat the king that we thought who would cut a brand new road for us? And my best friend, he stands up. 
And he says, guys, I think we just need to wait. I think we need to wait because did he not say in John chapter three that he would be hung up for all to see and believe on him? And three days later, they heard the resurrection story and they heard every Old Testament picture portrayed in the death, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we have brand new brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ for the first time in their history with the Maliali people. This is just a small video of what that season of teaching looks like. You wanna know the, the craziest part about the story? Craziest part, like it's not done, right? They, they just got baptized two weeks ago, 55 individuals. There were so many individuals that professed Christ in the early day and then uh, wanted to be baptized. They had to break it into two separate days. 55 just got baptized. Uh, more will be baptized this next week. They've walked through Acts, um, Romans, Ephesians just got translated. They're gonna walk through that. We wanna see a mature church among the Malayali people, elder, deacons, and a Bible translated in their language that that can be handed over and they could be self-sustaining. But you wanna know the, just the craziest part about the story. I never wanted to be a missionary. Emily, my wife, didn't think she could be a missionary. And she would always say, I'm afraid of the dark, I hate bugs, and I would never leave my family. Guess what we did in 2015? We went to the darkest place on earth, the jungle, and we went to a place filled with all types of creatures and critters, and she was 7,000 miles away from her family. And she never thought she could be a missionary. But guys, hear this, I never wanted to be a missionary. And my road was set junior year of high school. I remember I had a camp altering experience that the Lord showed himself in a real way that Jesus, if Jesus really is who he says he is, then my life should look different. And at that point, I began to be just, I began to love scripture. And I had this Ezra moment that all I wanted to do was uh, read it and study it and love it and share it with others. And so I paved my own road in wanting to become a pastor. Ultimately, that would come back to the state of California and plant a church after all my schooling was finished. But my junior year of college, somebody said, David, can you finish this verse? Be still and, and I said, know that I am God. And he said, no, you didn't finish the verse. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. My name will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. And do you know, for the very first time, I learned a powerful lesson. I knew a lot of truth, but I had missed the verse completely. I not only missed the verse completely, but I missed a lot of verses and in missing a lot of those verses, I did not see, see the storyline from Genesis to Revelation. And the moment I did, I saw that God is on a rescue mission 
for thousands of people groups that have not heard, will not hear, unless someone goes, learns their language for the first time, and for the first time in their history, shares the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. My wife and I said, our trajectory has changed. We just wanna try and reach one of those people groups. And by God's great and glorious grace, he allowed us to be a part of the Malayali work in bringing the gospel to them. Man, there's probably so many in this room that you're like, that's something I would never do because X, Y, and Z. I was in your same position. So I'm not gonna tell you to go. You know what I'm gonna tell you to do? What Jesus told his disciples to do, pray. And you see that the harvest is plentiful. You see that thousands of people groups have not heard the name of Jesus Christ yet. I'm telling you, there are thousands of people groups that still have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their language. Pray. Pray for the nations. Pray for more missionaries to be sent to those places. And I believe through the miracle of prayer, those same disciples that were told to pray ultimately were the ones who went. We also have a small little resource for any leader. If you're like, man, I wanna know more about missions. I wanna help my students understand a better understanding of global missions and what that looks like. This is a six weeks free course, six week course of the missions course. It walks through biblical basis of mission. It walks through the thread and what that looks like. It looks task remaining. What does it look like to plant a church cross-culturally? This is not for the students. This is for the team leaders or adults or youth pastors. You can come and grab one of these flyers. It's a resource for you and your church. But right now, let me pray. Let's start this time off by praying for the nations and that more missionaries would be sent. Father, you are a good God. You are a good God who weaves our stories so beautifully. But you are a gracious God who cares about the nations that are still in the dark. Thousands of people groups that have not heard your name yet, but will. Father, you have given us the commission through your son, Jesus Christ, to go and bring the gospel to where it has not been named, but you have given us the end of it. This is a win-win situation. Thank you so much that you have invited all of us to be about your mission of bringing your gospel to people who don't have it. Thank you so much that you have given us the confidence of knowing that whatever we give, whatever we sacrifice for your mission will ultimately be worth it. Not just because every tribe, nation, tongue, and language will surround your throne, but because you are king, ruling and reigning. And we adore you. All hail King Jesus. Let us all sing that. Let us sing that with our lives, laying them down, starting now, praying for the nations that have not yet heard but will. And would you cause many in this room to go? It is because of Jesus we are here. And it is because of your mission that will end, Father, that we will all rejoice before you one day. Thank you for that gift and that privilege and the work that we have in you. And it's in your name we pray, 
Amen. Great to meet you guys.